Hello and welcome to Booze and Bloodshed. I am your host, Susanna. And I'm Cindy. And Cindy, what, or mom. <laughs> I don't know why I want to call you Cindy. <laughs> well, that's my name. I mean, it is your name. But but mom to you, darling. But mom, yeah. <laughs> um, Bob, what are we drinking? Well, we're having one of my faves tonight. It's a huckleberry mule. And uh, being that we live in Montana, we have lots of yummy distilleries. And this particular vodka is from um, the Cold Spring Huckleberry Vodka made at the Bozeman's, Bozeman's Spirits Distillery in downtown. Yeah. And it's quite delicious. It is really good. It's a it's a good Huckleberry Vodka. It's not too sweet, but... It's just enough. It's, yeah, it's just enough. to And, like, mixing it with, like, the lime and ginger beer and stuff, it yeah. really balances it out. It makes it very yummy. It's very yummy. So if you haven't tried a Huckleberry Mule, would recommend... But make sure you get a good vodka. Don't be getting shitty vodka, you know. No, no, no. No smearing off here, okay? Ugh. <laughs> no, you need a good vodka. And if you are lucky enough to be like us, support one of your, your local breweries. Distilleries. Distilleries. <laughs> or breweries. Breweries but are good, too. But this time we're doing the distillery. <laughs> I basically don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> Shall we? Shall we uh, move on from this? <laughs> <laughs> yes. What case are you presenting today? Well, uh, presenting a, a, a pretty interesting case to me um, because I'm a mother of three and sometimes I could get frustrated with you guys when you were little <laughs> and I wanted yeah. to, a uh, number of times I said I'm going to bean you. <laughs> Only a lot. <laughs> Um, she never I, actually did, though. But I clarify. did. I, I, I never. I never was pushed to actually harm, harm my children. Nah. And this case I want to talk about today is about a woman um, who actually killed two of her children and attempted to murder the third. Jesus. And I just don't understand how you could get there. I like if mentally, you are I mean, you know, so like, pushed to that edge. Leave him on, leave him on a a, a church doorstep, a a, a, a police like department, the, yeah, a police fire, fire department, fire department, yeah, a, a hospital. I'm sure if you were so desperate, you could do a drive-by at an emergency room, kick them out of your car, and they would be taken in. I mean, they'd be cared for. Yeah, at least, yeah, at the very least, they would go somewhere, whether that's, you know, like, into a foster home or, you know, maybe somebody, maybe a relative might take them in if there happens to be one. I don't know, but... It's, like, yeah, it's, it's really... Um, <laughs> There's so many other options. So many other options, but... Um, in um, on Thanksgiving Day, November twenty fourth, nineteen eighty eight, Helen Boehm smothered her two year old son David. Oh God, he was only two. He was only two. Oh. 
What a baby. He actually didn't die until two days later. or was um, pronounced brain dead and um, taken off a of life support at that time. Oh. But uh, this day started out um, as a pretty normal day in, in the Bowen life. Um, it was Thanksgiving. Um, Ellen was, was not wealthy. She scraped by at this time. She was working two jobs to support herself and her children. Um, her husband had left her uh, on their sixth wedding anniversary, which happened to be two months before David's birth in 1986. Oh, that's nice. With a, a mortgage to pay and other debts to pay, which she really didn't have the means to. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this time, come in 1988, November, she's working a full-time job during the day, and then she's also working a part-time job of delivering pizzas in the evening um, to try and support her and her family. And on Thanksgiving Day, her three children, they had dinner. Um, they picked up their mother. She had dinner. Was a, 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 a turkey dinner that basically comes already made. You just warm it and serve. Oh, okay. And then they, um, she bundled her kids up and her mom uh, and took her mom home. And then her and her three kids went downtown. Um, they lived in St. Louis. And they went downtown to look at uh, Christmas lights and all the shops. We've been there. Yes. <laughs> and um, little Davy, as they called him, fell asleep in the car. Then when they got home, of course, everyone's tired. And her two older children went to bed and fell asleep. And David didn't want to have anything to do with sleeping. He slept <laughs> in the car and he was his battery was charged again. Um so, according to um, uh, Ellen's account, she turned on the TV. They were laying, she was laying on the couch. David was laying on the floor in front of her. And she was exhausted, tired. Um, and she said, it just happened that I knelt down behind him. And removed, she'd call it a pillow from the couch, but what actually it was was one of the the couch cushions. Oh, okay. Like what you sit on. Yeah. 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 Okay. And put it over his face his, and held it there. Um, Did she just like snap, like mentally? No, wait, 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 wait. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, until he stopped fighting. He was trying to fight and push the pillow off, and then he finally right. stopped. And she took the pillow seat cover, put it back on um, on the couch, and left David there and proceeded to call her girlfriend. What? Yeah. So yeah. So she just, like, suffocated her kid, and now she's all like, yo, girl, what up? And, <laughs> and so um, that's it. She... She, I mean, I don't understand. So she she called um, her girlfriend, Sandy Nelson, and they talked about their Thanksgiving days and what had happened. And, um, you know, that... Just went, totally nonchalant. Just totally nonchalant. Just recounted. They both were recounting their, their Thanksgivings um, and what they did. 
And I guess the, they'd been on the phone for about 15 minutes. And then um, that's when Ellen looked over at David and had noticed that uh, he was white and his lips were turning blue and he wasn't moving. And, and then she said, oh, my God, you know, she's like, I got to go. Something's wrong with, with Davey. And uh, hung yeah, up the phone. Yeah, I strangled him. That's yeah. what's wrong. Like, <laughs> I, I just smothered him. Like, what? And now he's blue. I'm... It's a mystery. Um, <laughs> yeah, right? What <laughs> wrong? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and, and like, so, and, you know, and, and instead of doing anything, calling 911 or anything like that... Um, she goes to wake her other two kids up and says, um, you know, Davy's Davy's sick. We got to take him to the hospital. You need to get up and get dressed. And then she leaves the apartment to go find help. Um, okay. The their person who lived. I don't. I'm I'm pretty sure he lived in this on the same floor as them. Um, he was a medical student, okay. and so she she went to try and find. Todd um, to get him to come down and help and um, then she comes back Sandy's calling her phone her home phone and that's when she tells us that she thinks that David stopped breathing um, that she's she's trying to get help and could 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 Sandy call 911 which she did so Ellen leaves again leaves the three kids in the apartment um Running around the apartment building, I'm apparently trying to to find help or whatever. And finally, the paramedics come and they're knocking at the door and no one's answering. So finally, Stacy, the oldest child, answers the door. And of course, she's afraid mm-hmm. because you know she's not supposed to. Well, right. I mean, how and old the, are the other two kids? Um, at this time, let's see. Stacy was born. Mm-mm-mm-mm. At that time, Daniel or David was two, Stephen was four, and Stacy would have been eight. Oh, geez. So yeah, so not old at all. No. And I'm sure she was probably told like you know never answer the door unless right. it's me. Like, right. You don't answer the door. Anyways, yeah. finally did, and the um, the um, EMTs are there, and you know they come in and and. Um, they, you know, I mean, David is still non-responsive and, and everything. So then here finally comes Ellen back in, and she does have Todd, the medical student, with her. And they're saying, you know, we, we need we need to take him to the hospital. Yeah. Um, he needs help. And um, so, you know, this time Stacy and, and, and Stephen, they've gotten their clothes on, and, and they're ready, and and they're going downstairs, and, and Todd's like, well, I can, I can, you know, I can take care of the kids or I'll meet you at the hospital. And she's like, right. or, or, or I'll take the kids and you can ride in the ambulance. And she's like, no, I'm not going to go in the ambulance with them. And he's like, what? Yeah. And he's like, she said, I'm, I will take the kids to my mother and then I'll meet you there. And, and at so, this point, why does Todd need to be there anymore then? Like if you're not going to allow him to take care of the children, which I mean, like if you don't know him very well, that's, you know, fine, whatever, but, like, why do you then need him to come to the hospital? Like, the people at the hospital will take care of your, of David, so, like, what's the point of having Todd? Well, and that that's the thing, though. I mean, her first response was to go find Todd. 
you know. Right, instead and, of calling 911. Right. And so, so um, you know, they obviously knew each other enough that, I mean, that was her first day. She knew his vocation. She mm-hmm. knew where he was and, and everything. But And then to say, I'll meet you at the hospital. So after she leaves with the two other kids to take him to her mother's, uh, you know, he's just like, holy shit, I better get to the hospital. And, mm-hmm. and um, when he arrives to the hospital, he, the, the uh, emergency staff began asking him questions. And he, of course, doesn't know. And he doesn't know, but, we're, but Ellen's nowhere. No, Ellen's not there yet. And he was shocked that, that she wouldn't be there yet. Oh, shit. I, just, I think I just realized what's going to happen. And finally, Ellen does show up. And, um, you know, and he's like, where have you been? And she's like, well, I had to take them to my mom's. And, it, but no, like not this panic-stricken parent that what you would think would they would be in. Like, I wouldn't leave my child's side at that time. I'd be I was like, saying, yes. You would have ridden in the ambulance. Oh, God, yes. And you've been like, yeah, Todd, you take the kids right. to the hospital or like tell him his mother's address or whatever to like drop them off at or something. Yes, like, yes. Um, anyways, and you know, so so just, I mean, just kind of an off reaction. Yeah. And um, so they did go in at this time. Um when she's finally able to see him, he is on life support. Um, he has not gained consciousness, and um, and he doesn't ever gain consciousness again. Gosh, that poor baby. So Sandy, the lady that Ellen's friend that she called, she right. shows up at the hospital trying to give support to to Ellen, and um, very odd that she's not as distraught as what she thought she would have been. Right, you know, yeah. what she expected to find. And, I mean, this is her own child. Yes, like. and so um, Sandy offered to stay with, with David so that Ellen could um, be able to, to get a little rest, you know, and come back, and mm-hmm. um, whether she wanted to go down to, to the... Um, uh, sanctuary. Most hospitals have a little small cathedral, um, and and usually a, a chaplain on duty. You know, mm-hmm. and so she—that's kind of her thought that she would relieve her for a little bit, so she can, you know, maybe go there, get a little bit of rest, and get. So, Sandy's there all night with David, and finally the next morning, Ellen shows back up. And she's like, were you able to get some rest, you know? I mean, you were gone longer. And she's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I went home and I got, you know, was able to sleep well. And she was kind of like, well? what? I'm I've sorry, been here what? all night with your child who is unconscious. unconscious yeah. and, and, and so she was just, she kind of read it off, wrote, had in her mind written it off as, well, I mean, she's, she's probably just delirious. She doesn't know, know what she's saying, you know, she yeah. probably isn't. Maybe just still in shock. Yeah, or yeah, and so kind of just put it up as to that. Yeah, and um, so um, two days two days later, the doctors do come in, and and uh, Sandy also is still at the hospital with Ellen, and and they tell her that you know he is. He's in a vegetative state. He's never going to. His brain waves are dead or flat. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he is not going to come back. And, um, and really the machines are just keeping him alive. And what would you like to do? Jesus. Wait, they asked Sandy this? No, they asked, they asked Ellen this. Oh, they asked, okay. The mother, Mm -hmm. who then turns to Sandy and said, what would you do? And... You know, ugh. I was gonna say yeah, like that. I, I, that would be really tough. That I couldn't imagine how difficult that would be to I either. pull the plug on your own child. But um, so then Ellen asked if if any of any of his parts could be used. Um, oh, like you know, medically. Yeah, to donate, you know, or mm-hmm. and they said that no, his he had had such a high temperature for the last two days that that they would not be able to harvest any of his organs to be viable for transplanting to another. Oh, um, what does having a high temperature do? Um, I, 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 again, this was in um, the eighties. Yeah, so right. I'm sure you know they think some things were not as. I mean, it may be different today. I don't know, but oh, okay. but yeah, just not um, like they weren't sure what what had caused the temperature, and and so uh, you know you just can't. So right, because yeah. there could be the possibility that maybe there's some sort of illness yeah. within his organs. Okay, and so um, she agreed to to turn to turn off the life support, and um, Sandy suggested that she hold him. Um, why he passes, which she finally did, but that, that inclination didn't come to her. Um, I mean, on the one hand, I could understand that, like, you know, people do respond to situations like this differently, and I could understand. Like, I feel like there would be a camp of people that would like they would be there, they would be holding their child, like they wouldn't let their child go, and then I feel like there would be another camp of people that would just be like, I, I can't, I can't even like touch them like it just you know different coping I guess yeah like yeah but I mean obviously knowing what we know about her actually causing him to be unconscious the that's yeah obviously not a good look <laughs> no anyway so um you know she so her her coworkers are looking at this poor woman who has just lost a child, mm-hmm. um, very inexplicit and unexplicably. Inexplicably. Thank you. Gosh, <laughs> it's um, a tough one, you know. <laughs> and and um, and so they they started, you know, uh, kind of a like an employee fund for her um, to help. Um, you know, with with the costs of the, the funeral and mm-hmm. and, and I'm you know, sure just, hospital bills, yeah, and, and just yeah. just uh, to get to get th- make it make it through, and um, until a lot of their surprise, Ellen was back at work really soon afterwards, um, and really mm-hmm. back to what they would describe as her normal self. Um, what? She was a data processor and was very good at her job. Um, and um, was was back at it. Um, oddly, through her job, she did have 
a $5,000 life insurance policy out on each of her children. Okay. And the her insurance paid all the medical bills. Oh, okay. So she had good insurance. And and it was through through her job. Mm-hmm. And um um she received the five thousand dollars from um from the life insurance policy through her work and she received a thousand dollars from her coworkers who had helped her, who had you know, pulled together um to help her out. And um One thing that was really weird about that is, like I said, she was back to work um, the day that she picked out the coffin for her son. Mm-hmm. She called up her her other good friend, um, who was as big of a professional wrestling um, fan as Ellen, and her and Deanne. Um, she wanted to know if they wanted if she wanted to get tickets to the the wrestling match that was was coming in town and that they were going on sale that morning and she could pick them up on her way back from the um, the funeral home if she wanted to go what? right and and Deanne's kind of like um well uh, I mean yes I I, was I like, like what do you say to that because like. I mean, like I said before, like everybody copes differently, but like that's so bizarre. Like your friend just got done picking out her son's casket, and now she's like, "Yo, let's go see some wrestling." Yeah, like, what? yeah. And 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 they they ended up they ended up doing it. They, they went. Ended, yep. Oh Ellen gosh. got the tickets, and then they went. They left her left the kids with her with Ellen's mother and the oh other two God. remaining. And, oh, and those two are still alive. They're still alive. Oh, okay, I was and, thinking and maybe went, she might have done something else. No, but I mean, it's like you just lost a child, and you can even comprehend that that there's a wrestling match coming into town, and when the tickets go on sale, and you right, need to like get you're keeping tabs. Like this is somebody that was like keeping tabs on mm-hmm. that. Like, yeah, and I mean, and it might have been something that they had been planning to do before the death of of David, but but. I mean, I'm sorry, but it would be a cho- it would be hard just to get yourself out of bed and care for your other children, mm-hmm. you know, let alone going out with friends. Yeah, yeah, but but wrestling was a big part of of Ellen's and Ellen's life, professional wrestling. She, she her and Deanne would travel um, around different states. To go, she would spend her last dime on wrestling tickets as opposed to food or rent or stuff like that. So she wasn't mm-hmm. uh, quite savvy with her money, not, made poor choices. Not quite good at prioritizing. Yeah. And, and, and anyways, but, but that, that, so that kind of puts you in this mindset. And, and at this time, um, in 1988, David's death was ruled as a SIDS death because he couldn't really find anything. Right. And, and, and that, it, and I mean, suffocation with a cushion, like you, that wouldn't really leave much sign. No, no. Forensically, I don't think. But, um, they couldn't. And so, so it was never, um, like the police were never involved or anything like that because mm-hmm. 
that's that's what it was is ruled at it was a, was a SIDS, and um, even though that was about the only thing they they could relate it to, even though at this point he David was twenty eight months old and uh, like two year olds don't die from sudden infant death. I mean, you know, it's not. But that's what it was ruled as, and that's when she weird. Yeah, yeah, and and um, hmm. Anyway, so so life goes continues to go on. Uh, it's still not it's still not good for Ellen, and and you know, some of you might be thinking, well, she's got three kids. Where's the dad at? What the hell? Mm-hmm. Um, well, as I said earlier, um, Deanne got married. Or, or her husband. Um, basically left her two months um, before David was even born. Right. And, you know, up until this time, you know, Ellen said, I, I thought that we, you know, had a good marriage. He was much older. He was old enough to be her father. Oh. Um, That's kind of They cool. met in uh, 1978, and Ellen was just uh, 18 years old. Um, and... and um, Paul, her husband, was a bus driver on the bus route that she took to school. Yeah, well, not not like a not like a school bus driver. I'm like this is like a city bus. Oh, okay. Um, Still not great, but yeah, at least I yeah. guess it wasn't like a school bus driver. And um, he actually, Paul, actually was married at the at first when he first noticed um, Ellen. And um, with with a child, and in the interim time there, he divorced his first wife, and then started court- courting Ellen. And Ellen was just was smitten with Paul. He was older. Um, Ellen was a heavy set gal, not a lot of experience with with guys, romance or, yeah. or guys or anything like that. And um, they ended up they ended up uh, getting married. Um, and they had their first daughter daughter Stacy, who's the oldest, mm-hmm. um, about a year after they were married. They got married in 1980, and Stacy was born in 1981. Okay. Um, he was a Vietnam vet. And they had, you know, they had bought a house together and, you know, were leading, leading a pretty good life. And, and then um, um, their second child came around, uh, what was it, four years later, mm-hmm. Stephen. And um, when she was pregnant with, with David... Uh, they had talked about that. That's when she'd become a stay-at-home mom. Um, there, her mother lived in. So they like like the house they had was like a duplex. Okay. And so their mother, her mother, lived in the other other half, and you know was able oh, to provide. Oh, that's real convenient. Yeah, we'll provide childcare when needed yeah. because she Ellen worked full time as well. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and but they had decided that her and Paula decided that when when the third child came, that she would quit. She, her job and, and stay home. Um, and then t- two months before he was born, he, he said, you know, I'm, 
<laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, yeah. Well, and not even having the balls to say that. He said that he had Agent Orange from Vietnam, and he was going down to uh, into the VA for treatment, and he'd have to quit his job to do this, and he'd have to be gone for two months, you know, and, and do that, and which was a lie. He had met another young woman oh, on his best surprise bus. surprise yeah yeah so and and Did actually, it once we'll do it again and that was that was exactly it and ellen finally you know figured that out and gosh that sucks it it That's really really shitty. it really sucks and you know so she and and in all the years that they were divorced he never once paid any of his child support Rude. Uh, for those those three children she, Those babies didn't ask to be brought into this world. No, they didn't. Ellen went back to work two months after Davy was born. She found a new job, um, but really, you know, she had she didn't didn't have any any choice. Right? Yeah, she has no partner to like no. help with the finances. She or had anything. to she had to put the house up for sale to because she couldn't afford the mortgage. And then also by the time, um. You know, paid off her home loan for that, and then also the other. They had a line of credit against the house that she had to pay off, and and um, a couple more outstanding loans. So she she, you know, didn't she filed for bankruptcy because she thought that would help her out financially, mm-hmm. and and it it really it really just didn't. Mm. Um, so. One thing also that was strange, going back to the five thousand uh, dollars insurance money that she collected from from David's death, uh, one of the things she did was she took the two other kids down to Disney World on a vacation with that money. Um, with the life insurance money, yeah. So, I mean, so not what? not. One, not being in a financial position to, to that would have, you know, to really have the means to have done that. Right, ex- yeah. Extravagant as a trip. And also spending many weekends traveling with Deanne to wrestling matches. Um, they would always try and like and stay in the hotels where the wrestling team, you know, the wrestlers would be at, the professional wrestlers. And, right. you know, try and catch the eye or, or something. And, mm-hmm. And lived in a in a in a in a fantasy land as far as her wrestling. Um, what do I want to say? Uh, obsession mm-hmm. and with the wrestlers and um, and of course, you know, some of the circuit knew who they were because they were always there, but. You know, that's not interested. They were a fan. They weren't, right? You know, and it, anyway, so it's it's I don't know. It's just it's just so bizarre. So in 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 the meantime, you know, she spent spending all of the insurance money frivolously, um, not putting anything away for a rainy day, not trying to, you know, space out. Like save, <laughs> save, um, rent, clothes, food. Right, like you know. your children might want to go to college someday. Maybe I just don't even think like. that was a thought. That was so not a thought. So then, um, 
pressure's coming on again. Um, and two years later, not quite exactly two years later, um, Stephen presented at the hospital with the same same symptoms that David had. unconscious <laughs> and pale. And he died at the hospital on September 25th, 1989. Hmm. So, yeah. Not even... A little suspicious. A yeah. little suspicious there. Yeah. So within 10 months' time, both of Ellen's sons had died of the same, with the same symptoms, the same, and it was at that time that the um, the St. Louis medical examiner grew suspicious. Well, yeah, I mean, that, like, what? Um, <laughs> Ma'am, two of your children have now died under weird circumstances. Yeah. So, WTF. And... And so he was, but he ran so many different tests. He ran, I guess, at the at the time that this had happened, there had been another mother who, um, oh, it wasn't it wasn't in in Missouri, but I think it was in Arkansas, and I can't remember her name, but she was um, arrested for murdering her child and uh, went in prison, and she was pregnant with the second child when she was in prison. And when that child was born, um, he tested on him, and he had a very rare um, a condition that, uh, hindsight, that the first child had, and that's what caused that first child's death, not the oh, mother. Oh, okay, interesting. And so she was eventually released, you know, and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but... But so this was kind of a lot in, in on the mind of um, Dr. Michael Graham, the medical examiner, right? You know, but and he's so he he was trying he all sorts of you know d- tests. He had sa- saved tissue samples from David and had had, of course, Michael's tissue. Yes, but he was trying to say, you know, is there is there any type of 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 just the most extreme. Um, metabolic disorder, mm-hmm. uh, a, a, a cardiac disorder, any any type of rare um, uh, congenital defect, you know, that that would cause the deaths in the similar matter in these two brothers, right? And everything kept coming up negative, kept coming up negative, mm-hmm. and and he had, but he just. He just had a gut feeling that this, you know, this is not right. Mm-hmm. This something is wrong, and um, he would never sign a death certificate on Stephen. Oh, he couldn't put it to rest mm-hmm. because he just, in his gut, just could not could not make amends with it. You know, and it was at this point that. Um, that the police became involved uh, because because Dr. Graham actually, he, he contacted and he just said, you know, I, I've got this, this strange 
happening with these two boys' death. Right. I can't prove. I can't prove one way that, or another that, that, that it was homicide. You know. Mm-hmm. But he's like, it just. It, I, I just can't. You know, the same exact cause of death, ten months apart, and and the same and 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 again, Ellen's just like. Her reaction is yeah, just it's just not it just doesn't expect. fit yeah. someone who's now lost two two children. of her children in less than twelve months. Yeah, you know, I mean, not to, but yet the grief no the grief wasn't there. The you know he just he just couldn't he just couldn't reconcile it. Yeah, with, just with didn't what sit he saw. Well with him. Yeah, and so yeah. he he was not satisfied. He would not s- sign. Um, the death certificate, and people that Ellen worked with were just, again, t- totally c- couldn't couldn't believe this, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, like it's bad enough to lose like one son, but then you or one child, and then you lose another one. Like, goddamn, like <laughs> that would be crazy. Uh, 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 oh, but but she was back at work again. And didn't and you know was was doing her job and was being effective at at work and mm. and um, and again um, the folks that that she worked with um, got together and pooled money. But they didn't give it to her right away, and and they were um, and and most of that had to deal with an uneasy feeling. Um, that one of of her supervisors had, stemming back to that that day that that that, that Stephen died, mm-hmm. um, because at eight thirty in the morning, Ellen called her supervisor, Elaine at work, and said that um, the same thing that happened to Davy is happening to Stevie. He's not breathing. I'm taking him to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and so, okay, you know, and, and that she wouldn't be in for work. Right. You know, and so then on that same day at about 1130 in the morning, Ellen calls work again and and says that, um, that she... That she had taken Stephen to the hospital. They had let him, he had gotten better and they let him come home, but now it's happening again. And he was, she was going to take him back in and so she wouldn't be back to work. And, right. and, um, I kind of feel like that was already established. Yeah, that she was just not going to be there, period, that day. Right, like, right. At the so very kind least. of strange. So, so it didn't really sit well. She was like, well, Okay, at eight thirty, you told me that uh, whether he was going to be okay or not. I wasn't really expecting you in, you know. Right? Yeah. And um, so, so she just kind of felt she just felt it was off. She just um, when at the funeral, she said, you know, she wasn't like what you would expect a grieving mother to be. Mm-hmm. And and of course everybody processes their grief differently and and but you would think at the least there would be like some tears no, or like not a, some not, not a, no one ever could recall a, a 
her shedding a tear at either of the boys' funerals. And, um, and again, just not, like, like I said, that didn't set well with her, with her supervisor. Mm-hmm. And, and, and she, she was trying to be, um, you know, to not, to not, I guess, uh, to not be judgmental, to not say, you know, well, she's not fitting what I think a, a grieving parent would would you know should look like but so but you know she's dealing with her own stuff and mm-hmm. and that's fine um so like i said the um st louis medical examiner dr graham he did contact the authorities and, and said you know this is just i just i'm not settled with it i can't prove anything i can't but it just doesn't seem right mm-hmm. um that both these boys and he said i i have tested i have gone testing some for some very rare, extreme um, conditions that could maybe cause this, you know, in, in siblings, and I can't find anything. But I can't, also couldn't tell you, couldn't rule it as a homicide. Right, couldn't tell you how they actually died. Right, like what, and so, you know, can you, can you look into this type of thing? Mm-hmm. So they, they did. Um, they actually went and, and um they went to Ellen's home and wanted to, you know, to talk with her about, about the deaths of her, her sons and stuff and the accounts and mm-hmm. of it. And so she, you know, went, went back through it. Um, one thing that was also um, st- what was, uh, what was I going to say? It was strange. Um, about Stephen is that by the time her finances were so, so bad that she didn't have a phone anymore. Oh. So she actually had to go to a neighbor's house to call. Um, 911? Well, well, she couldn't. So she actually, when, so, ah, I'm telling this wrong. <laughs> but, but basically, you know, told, told, told. The detectives, the same thing that, you know, at 8.30 she called, said the same thing was happening, took her to— Oh, called her work. Yeah, from a, called, like neighbors. called her work and then oh, took, okay. took me in and, and stuff. Um, and then, you know, and then later at 11.30, they had gone to the hospital, came back, and it was happening again. So she called and said they were going back. Right. And at this I feel like that's a rather quick turnaround. You take them in at eight thirty, and by eleven thirty, you're supposedly back home, and it's happening again. Yeah, like, and it's ha- and, what? and that and and um, I, feel I like would find it very difficult. I mean, you know, when you go to the emergency room, you, you might as well just count at least at the bare minimum five to six hours of your life away. Oh yeah, because oh yeah, they aren't letting you go. You know, it's it's not a quick visit. No, and if is especially that this would be the brother of a little boy that passed waves with the same things ten yeah, you months think ago. That they would, that they would run be yeah, keeping keeping him and and running more tests and, and stuff. You know, so, yeah. So he's he's was kind of like you know, I mean, the detective he, he listened to her story and and that was good and and um, you know thanked her for her time and then he started doing. Just more checking out about it, um, because she, she, she Ellen seemed off to him, mm-hmm. you know, as well. It just, it just can't really put a put a finger on it, but just 
like off. So in his investigations into Ellen and, and her family, he comes across a, a case where Stacy, the daughter, two months before, uh, no, it wasn't two months. It was about six weeks before Stephen's death, was taken to the to uh, a different hospital. Oh, um, because she was electrocuted in her bathtub. What? Yeah. How? how? So she take the radio in with her. Like what? Um. Yeah, that. So. Yeah. And and he and so he came back to Ellen and he wanted to know about this incident. You know well, yeah, that that doesn't that, happen every day. Yeah, that this and and she said, "Oh, well, yeah, we had gone to the grocery store, and uh, Stacy had read Stevie in a book and had put him to bed. I was putting groceries away, and she said, "I want to take a bath, so I help her run her bath." And she said, "Then I went back out to." Um, finish putting groceries away, and all of a sudden she's screaming and screaming in the bathtub, and and I go in there, and Stevie's in there, and I look at the tub, and oh my god, the hair dryer's in the water, and I, um, no, the she said the hair dryer's in the water, and she unplugged it and, and got it out, you know, and. And and that Stevie said, I thought you'd want to dry your hair, your ba- your Barbie's hair. She was playing with her Barbies in the in the tub. Okay, okay. And um, anyway, so at that instant, she gets her out of the tub and goes to Todd's house or Todd's apartment to get him, and and then um, she takes them to. She has to call the ambulance, but she takes them to the hospital. Okay. And my theory is that she took him to the hospital instead of the ambulance because the ambulance would have taken him back to the um, same hospital. The same hospital, and she took him to a different one. Uh-huh. Anyways, um, and so he was, you know, he's like, "Wow, that's that's, you know, like where where is the hair dryer kept?" And you know, and it's kept in my in my room, and. Where was it plugged into? It was plugged in the outlet in the hallway, and it had a really long cord and could reach. God damn! How long was this cord? Like ten feet? Right, right. So when they had were, you know, he. So they asked Ellen if if she could come in and and um, and talk a little more about this, and she did. And when she showed up, she had Stacy with her, and so well, they're like. Would you mind if Stacy went with this officer? And yeah, let's talk to Stacy without mommy. Yeah, and and why we talk with you about you know this incident and mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, no, no problem. So apparently during that time when when Stacy was with um, the other officer, she, you know, she she never she, she said I was washing my hair and was had my eyes closed and was rinsing my hair when when all of a sudden I I this I just had this weird feeling and it kept feeling like it was something was trying to pull me down in the water well she was being electrocuted oh 
Jesus. And when she opened her eyes, she saw the hairdryer and she threw it out of the tub. Somehow got it out of the tub. God, that girl is so lucky. I mean, being eight years old, you're so small. Like, it wouldn't take much. Well, and that's what she to... said. She couldn't stand up because she her 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 limbs, she oh, said, just yeah. felt like... Like, like jello, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but she somehow managed to get it out of the tub. Jesus. And... And that the only person that was in the bathroom when she opened her eyes with her was her mother. And then Stephen came in afterwards um, crying because of all the, you know. Commotion. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. going on. And um, so accounts don't really match up, but they, 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 don't, they don't arrest her because they're still waiting to see what they could find out on, on the desk. Mm-hmm. Of, of the two boys. So so they go and um, their investigation continues. And one thing that they found, uh, discovered, was that um, Ellen had taken out several more insurance claims on her two remaining children. Oh, okay. So she had taken out a $50,000 life insurance policy on both children from State Farm. Goddamn. A $30,000 policy on both children at Shelter Insurance. And I don't know. I'm not familiar with that insurance company. Uh, Me neither. Each child also had um, a $12,000 policy from United of of Omaha Insurance Company. Each child also still had a $5,000 policy from her work policy. Jesus. And she had looked into Gerber, but apparently never went through with, with finalizing that policy. God. But still, that, that would have been like, like, like almost $100,000 in insurance $92,000 of insurance on each child. What the fuck? And... And for one, who, who, I mean, you know, people take life insurance policies out on, on themselves or their spouse if something happens that, you know, their kids, but who really takes that out on, that much out on their children, especially a mother who is so strapped for funds. Right. Um, who can barely, you know, barely make rent, barely make, pay, buy food. Uh-huh. Um, and it is having this taken, you know, out. And these insurance policies um, were taken out two weeks before Stephen's death. Hmm. Real suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, you know, so... <laughs> He, he's he's you know at this time, um, authorities are very intrigued because yeah they're like yeah some this, this, this is not this adding is up not here. adding up yeah. but again they don't they don't have the 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 medical forensic to charge her right so they don't quite got that nail in the so they, they they yeah they don't they they wait and they bide their time they interview um, they start talking with with. Uh, 
Deanne, who was her wrestling buddy that went to all the wrestling shows. Well, mm-hmm. their friendship had cooled when Stephen died um, because she's, she said, you know, Ellen, it just, it didn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't reconcile how she acted with the death of a second child. She still wanted to to go to the wrestling matches and um, yeah, like if your own friend is like, "Yo, this is odd and weird," like you know something's off. Like, and also, she was able to collect the fifty thousand um, dollars from State Farm after. After Stephen's death, really, it, even without an official death certificate, without official death certificate, they paid, huh? And it might, and I think they paid soon after the death, before any any, any investigation, any investigation yeah. or word of investigation started. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, with this fifty thousand dollars, of course, um, what does Ellen do? She and Stacy move into a. a Pretty uh, much nicer apartment complex. Um, she goes and buys herself a brand new car, pays oh cash. Oh, God, what an idiot. Um, and and uh, continues, um, you know, doing the wrestling thing. And in, yeah, so not, not... Not, not, um, yeah, I mean, not the picture of a woman who just lost two children. Yeah, certainly, certainly not. Like, I feel like at this point, you can't just write it off as, like, you know, someone trying to, what do I want to say, like, I guess, like, in denial, you know, like, when people are in, like, denial, they, like, just try to, like, throw themselves back into, like, their regular life and that sort of thing. But I feel like at this point, like, that's, no, that's, you can't claim that at this point. And other things kind of start happening that are are weird around Ellen's circle that people, so she was, she was unmarried and there was another unmarried person at, at her work. And all of a sudden this person starts getting harassing phone calls. Oh. And then the this the car salesman that sold her car started getting harassing phone calls. And Weird. um um yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so at, at at the car dealership and so they were pretty sure that they knew that it was Ellen. Mm-hmm. And they called herself she called herself Dirty Bunny. Um, and it's not cute. No, and and would be pretty graphic, I guess. And oh, that's nice. And uh, so, so um, the gentleman that sold the car, and another, and one of his coworkers, they decided that when Dirty Bunny called, they were going to call her at her work. And this, oh. so then when they did that. Dirty Bunny went on hold, and the other call was answered, and mm-hmm. then that one was hung up. Dirty Bunny was back, mm-hmm. so they were pretty sure that you know it was, it was her. Ellen. Yeah, um, she would make many overloads, loads to um, um, wrestlers, you know, and 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 again, 
Ellen was, she was heavyset. She was not attractive. Conventionally. Yeah, conventionally, yeah. you know. And so, um, but to her, you know, she had a, everyone was attracted to her. Um, Interesting. Okay. And 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 one one time she told Deanne that that she was going away on a weekend um, with her coworker and um, over the weekend and they were gonna fly out and and the, and um, and she, when she checked to see if her her car you know, if it was gone or whatever during the time that she was that she was going to be gone, it wasn't. And she's like, you know, it's all... In her head? Yeah, it's all in her head. And Jesus. And so she, she really distanced herself and was done with Ellen mm-hmm. at the time. I mean, I don't, I don't blame her. No, I don't either. But, um, and, and then um, the authorities started talking with her and, and getting, you know... Some information and and stuff and and that that's what you know she just said I, it, her actions just didn't sit well with me and I could not I couldn't continue our friendship, um, and so she collected the fifty thousand on Stephen's death, mm-hmm. but the other policies um, that she had out the thirty thousand at Shelter and the twelve thousand at United. Omaha, mm-hmm. they would not release payment without a signed death certificate. Well, right. I mean, that only makes sense. Like, they need proof of death, like, you know, like uh, legal proof. Right. Before they can pay. I mean, that's, I, I would assume that's standard with any life insurance. Also, I feel like insurance companies in general are just, you know, stingy and they're not going to pay out unless they actually absolutely have to. So that's yes. why I was so surprised when you said State Farm, like, uh, paid out the 50000 without the death certificate. I was like, what? I did. That's Well, what? she's burning through this money. And so now oh, she's starting yeah. to harass Dr. Graham to sign the death certificate. That mm. she needs a signed death certificate. I'd be like, "Why do you need that so badly?" And 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 he wouldn't he wouldn't do it. Um, during this time, he had consulted with eight other forensic scientists throughout the country. Oh damn! Um, to see if they could find any cause of death for these young men, mm-hmm. these two young boys, to anything that would say that it was it was. Um, it was not homicide, and none of them could. Dang. And these were so you the now tops have, of the tops. Now have nine forensic yes. analysts that are saying, yes. nope, or medical yes. examiners. Um, forensic pathologists, so people, this oh, okay. is what they do, and the top of their field. Mm-hmm. So this is like stuff that they've been studying like for, I would imagine, years yes. and years. Yes, and... Um, and they still they couldn't catch Ellen in the act. Well, or or, or I mean, in they, a lie. They, they just didn't have enough that they thought they could they could arrest her on. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 being that they really didn't, you know, they couldn't have a definitive cause of death. So they ended up watching her, Ooh. Um, and. And uh, basically setting up a profile on her. 
So a lot, um, a person that the contacted was FBI agent Jim Wright, and he was one of the folks. Um, he actually, he actually um, was the FBI expert in the movie Silence of the Lamb. Oh, that for the behavior science uh-huh. um, aspect of that movie, and and that's what he was with the um, behavioral science unit, unit uh-huh. with the FBI, and so they started consulting with him. You know, like like how what can how can um, we get this woman to tell us? You know, what's really happening? What's really happened? And so we did a did a, a profile on him. On her, and over this over this um, year, he, you know, he developed like when you are going to arrest her, this is what you're going to need to to set up, because she's very um, self absorbed. She's she kind of has these fantasies about her and 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 all these men that are attracted to her, and and so she very much wants to be center of attention. And to be to be the main, be like the star of yeah, the show. Yes, and so he's like, you know, when when this happens, when you are ready, um, you got to make it seem that that this case, her case, has been consuming you day and night. That's all you thought about. So they set up an interview room, and they brought in several file cases into this interview room that were empty. Right. Um, That's a common tactic, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, it was, it was, um, you know, it was not, it wasn't as widely known to the public. I mean, they didn't, Oh well, you yeah, know, there no, weren't no, no, the no. TV shows that we have now that you, yeah. that kind of get you in behind the scenes of, of, of um, behavioral science. Right, you right, know? right. Yeah, so she would have no idea. She yeah, think yeah. That all of those were about so, her. So they, they even went so far as they, they had collected, like, dirty coffee cups, um, um, cigarette butts that they, would, that they had staged in this interview area. So, you know, it made it look like there were people working there all the time. Um, they had... Uh, they had her financial records on big um, uh, poster boards, you know, mm-hmm. and and stuff that it, it just really seemed like like this case was eating them inside out, and that's all they just eat, slept, breathed. For this case, this this case, you yeah. know, was just all consuming to them. And so, f- when they finally decided to arrest her, it was a go. Um, they they followed her from work and um, they uh, they finally they, they thought they were going to lose her she pulled off the interstate they pulled off with her and arrested her and mm-hmm. instead of being surprised or anything her response was it's you when they came up to the window And yeah, yeah. She wasn't like, oh, what are you, like, what are you doing here? Like, what's going on? Like, she was just like, oh, hi. Yeah. (laughs) So um, she was arrested on September 13 of 1991 and charged with two counts of first degree murder and one count first degree assault. Jesus. Um, 
and they arrested her and took her in for questioning and into this room that they had staged for her and they started, you know, asking about about what happened with Davy. You know, what happened with David. And that's when she told them that she put the pillow and that's and they said, Well, how did you put the pillow on him? And she said, Well I was he was on the floor and I was leaning behind him and I reached over and and put the pillow on his, across his his face and held it the corners down to the ground. Jesus. And and he fought. And she said, "Oh, Davy was always a fighter. He fought." Oh my god. And so, how long did you do that until he stopped fighting? And then what do you did? Then when did then what did you do? And she says, "I got back up. I put the cushion back on the the couch and I called my girlfriend. And we talked about our our Thanksgiving. And they said, and then what? And then she said, I, I noticed him, you know, all white and, and blue at the lips. And, and then that's when I said, I have to go. Something's wrong with David. Yeah, I fucking murdered him. That's what's wrong. <laughs> like, what? Did, it, did, like, did she seriously have that disconnect? Like, did she not at that time, like when she was telling her friend, like, oh, you know, something's wrong with David. Like, I need to go check on him. Like, did she truly have that disconnect of, like, she didn't remember suffocating him? No, no. It was, it was... Or like, was she just playing? I, I, I believe she was just playing. I mean, okay. I just, I believe it was, it was staging um, because when it comes to Stephen's death, mind you, 10 months later... Mm-hmm. So 10 months later, um, as, as what she had told the police, was that when she was getting, getting ready for work, Stephen had same thing were happening to him. She was blue, it was white, and she had to get him to the, hosp- you know, to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So when they were interviewing her th- this night... And she agreed to have this filmed. She wanted to be on TV. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, but but that was her mm-hmm. her fantasy. Yeah. And so they so they they said they said when you called when you called Elaine at work to to you know say that you had to take Stephen to the hospital. The same thing was happening to him that was happening to Davy at eight thirty in the morning. Nothing was wrong with with Stevie, was it? And she said no. She said he wasn't feeling well. She said I had he had gotten vaccinations um, the Friday before, and was kind of a little reactiony to it, you know, a little mm-hmm. feverish and stuff. But no, he he wasn't he wasn't sick at that time. He just she just wanted to spend the day with Stephen. She just oh. want to have the day with them. Yeah, I'm sure. So they said, "What did you do?" And she said, "Well, we, Sissy got went to school, and then we got him dressed, and we went to my mom's, and we're staying there for you know with my mom's for a little bit, and and she noticed that he was peaked and not you know feeling great. So she said we were going to go home, and and Stephen says, "No, mom, I don't want to go home. I want to go to Taco Bell, um, which was like his favorite place to go." Okay. And so she said, we went to Taco Bell, and and he ate, and then we were driving, and 
um, she, he said, isn't that where Davy is? And they drove past the cemetery that was at, that he was at. And oh, she geez. said, yes. And he says, I want to go see Davy. So they went to his grave, David's grave. And at the grave, he told his, Stephen told his mother how much he missed him. Um, Poor and, little guy. And that, how he just wanted to be with, with, with Davy. Oh, no. So, on their way home, Ellen stops at a gas station and phones her work, and that was the 1130 call. Hmm. And at that time, she stated that the same thing is happening. It, it's happening again. We, got, we weren't home. He stopped breathing again. I've got to go back. Mm-hmm. So at that time, they did go home. And, and, and Stephen was not feeling 100%. Right. Anyways, right. he lays on the floor from the TV, and she turns on Sesame Street. And the same thing. She takes the cushion and smothers him. Jesus. But Stephen never did fight. <laughs> this poor baby. And... And after that is when she doesn't have a phone anymore in her apartment. Right. So she runs up to the eighth floor of the building thinking that a friend of her mom's lives up there that her mom was friendly with when her mom would come over and watch the kids. Mm Mm-hmm. And but no one was answering that apartment door. Dude, why would you not just like go right next door to your like next door neighbor? Like um, even if you didn't really know them that well, I would have been like, hey, yo, like my kid is in trouble. I need to call nine one one. Can I use your phone? I don't have a phone. Like I'm pretty sure any neighbor would be like, oh yeah, like here you go. So finally, um, at that time, goes back downstairs and knocks on Todd's door, who is their closest neighbor. Oh okay. The the medical student. Um, he is, he is not there in class. So she finally gets, gets someone to answer a door and tells him to call 911. And, um, so all of that theatrics happens after basically four and four hours ago when she first called in that she wasn't going to be at work when her son was perfectly fine. Mm Mm-hmm. Calling in to say that the same thing was happening to Stephen as happened to David. So clearly, she was planning it. The, if that's not premeditated murder, yeah, then what the hell is? She, yeah, she wanted to spend that last day with her son because she knew she was gonna kill him. Mm-hmm. God, what a bitch! Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um. So, so she she was charged. Um and 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 uh and like I said was was charged with two two counts of first degree murder for Davy and Stephen and then one count of first degree assault for Stacy. Um uh at that who was her eight year old daughter. And five weeks before she tried to uh, electrocute Stacy. She had also purchased the same three. She had put out those life insurance 
policies on Stacy. And in between the time that that Stacy, the attempted electrocution on Stacy failed, and in the time of Stephen's death, she had let she had stopped paying Stacy's um, premiums, so those policies had lapsed. Oh. But she kept up on David's. I mean, on Stephen's. Excuse me. Because she was like, she was like, well, I failed that attempt, so I can't try again anytime soon. Right. So I've got to try. Let's just move on to the next. I've got to try the next one. God, that is so horrible. Like, wh- what? Yeah. Like, how does your how, how do you bring life into this world and then just take it back so horribly? Yes. So, and all for your own gain. Oh, t- totally her own gain. Like she doesn't give two craps. Like No, I mean she she didn't like I said invest any of that the insurance money and in in her in the kids' future and their kids' well-being. Um, Even it, just the stabilization of the home. Like, no, yeah. no. So no, none of life. that. None of that. None of that. You know, you're buying a brand new car, paying cash for it. You're still going on to, to wrestling um, road trips. And um, anyways, so, so yeah, she, she was... Um, Tried and convicted. Good. And she's still in jail. Did she die? Uh, she she is she is still living. Um, she um, has since said that she was coerced into to this, mm-hmm. um, and and all that. Uh, her her ex husband tried to get. Um, custody of Stacy, and again, Stacy is not this child's real name. It was a name that was given to her. Oh, okay. To protect her. Protect her. her. Okay. Um, and that did not happen. Um, from what I do know, or could find out, that she was raised in the foster care system. Uh-huh. Actually, um, so much. Like not even like her grandma was able to like take care of no, her. No, and and she wasn't health wise able to take care oh, of her. Okay, well that's fair then. Um, but so how come the dad couldn't get custody? Um, the dad was ruled unfit. Um, okay, that's fair then. And he also never paid child support. He so never it's not paid like child he really, support. Uh, and. Wanted- the children anyways. So. Correct, correct. Um, and so he, he just wasn't ruled as fit either. Okay. And and it and from from what I understand is is that she did um, her 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 upbringing in the foster care system was much better than anything that she had to, Oh, uh, well, that's good. That's good yeah, to hear. Yeah, but um, but yes. Um, um, Ellen is still uh, fighting this and uh, her her convictions and and saying that she was coerced and tricked and was never offered a lawyer, even though they have her on film saying that she did not want to she wouldn't did not want a lawyer and she agreed to do this and that they did not coerce her and yeah no honey you dug your your hole now you gotta go lie in it so don't be trying that shit yeah but just. The, I I just I, to me it it's so mind blowing, on how how you how you do this and how 
and like like it doesn't affect like it didn't affect her, you know. I mean, it didn't. Right? She killed two. Like of she her- clearly has no remorse. Like no. she's fighting to get out of jail. Like she feels no guilt for this. No, none at all. None at all. And that, and that, um, that. Just please, but like you could kill two of your kids, and then then continue this this fantasy life of, of 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 you're going to have uh, uh, you know affairs with the you know I don't know what do they call um, <sighs> you know like they have rock musician fans and. What do they call? What do they call? I can't think of it. Oh, groupies. Thank you. Oh, I mean, okay. she was basically, you know, wrestling groupie, and and had these fantasies that that all these professional wrestlers were, you know, like head over heels for yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. Were you know, and 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 um, and then again, any like the, the the salesman that sold her a car, then she started harassing him with with phone calls, and the one the one um, unmarried man at work again. Harassing, Jesus. Fuzz, um, I, I it's Fuzzy Bunny. That was what she would call oh, herself. Fuzzy Bunny. Fuzzy still bunny. not great. Still not great. But better I better mean, than but, Dirty but, Bunny, but still not great. But mm-hmm. but I'm sorry. God, I have apparently my memory has checked out. <laughs> um, but Fuzzy Bunny and but but I mean was really pretty rank and explicit in, in things oh. that she'd like to do. That's and disturbing. It is. I mean, how do you, how do you, how <laughs> do you do harassment that? is real and it's not cool. Yeah. No matter what gender you are. Anyways, it just, it totally blows my mind. Um, that, uh, how disturbed, I guess, you know, that she was, that she still yeah, is. It makes you wonder, like... Like, I don't know if you ever dug into, like, her childhood or anything like that, but, like, did did she, like, have a bad childhood? Or, like, is this just, like, a, um, like a nature thing as opposed to nurture? Well, that, that's, the th- that's the thing. You know, she, um, so she, growing up, um, it was, it was, she was, she's an only child. Okay. And um, her her father was an alcoholic, and and um, not ab- abusive more to her mother as opposed to her. Okay, but no, she didn't have a great childhood. Um, she she wasn't um, she wasn't popular in school or and have a lot of you know friends and stuff and mm-hmm. and like I said meeting um meeting Paul Bone the bus driver of the city bus and being infatuated with him and he's he's old enough to be her her father I mean that's yeah you know like that was probably the first affection that she ever got like romantic yeah, affection yeah and and from I mean, I, I and I do believe that he f- truly found her Ellen a- attractive because mm-hmm. he, she, as far as like body types and look wise, she Ellen was very looked very much so like his first wife. Okay. And also uh, looked the the per- girl that he left her for looked 
a lot, like, you know, more of the heavy set. Um, gotcha. So he had a type. He had a type. Okay. Right, right. He just liked them to remain young, I'm assuming. I, that, that's, that's, the, that's the thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, third baby, I'm out. You know, so, God, so no, and like, she, yeah, she didn't, she didn't have it easy. Um, no, I mean, obviously that's not an excuse for killing your children, but I was just wondering, if, you know, if it, there was any more insight into like her mind as to what was going on there. Cause not, clearly something's not clicking quite, quite right. No. And, and mostly that, that she is, um, Well, just, you know, a narcissist about her, 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 her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, at at some point, it, it clicked in her head that her children were in her way of the lifestyle that she wanted or that she thought she should have. Well, here's a thought. Don't have children. <laughs> just, just put it out there. I mean, condoms have be, been around for a while, right? <laughs> but and and then again, if 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 you are that stressed out, yeah. I mean, she's working full time, and then she's delivering, you know, mm-hmm. pizzas in the evening. Um, but I, I I don't think all of that was to. I don't think that was. I think that was more to to keep her her um, wrestling addiction going. Yeah, <laughs> as as opposed to really actually it being for the kids and mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, well, yeah. I mean, if she was like spending money on like the wrestling stuff as opposed to like rent and food, like yeah. what? <laughs> but basic necessities that everybody needs. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you give? Why wouldn't you dump them on your mother, the children, if that's you know, and then disappear to your whatever life? Right. There's like so many other options. Like, I mean, obviously, it's not great to like you know bring children into this world, then just be like, mm, I don't want them. All right, let's dump them on somebody else. Like, that's not great. But like, at least the children would have a chance at a good life and you know, could continue on and, and, and do whatever it is that they want to do. Like, but no, you're just like, uh, well, I don't want them. So I'm just going to murder them. Cause you know? Yeah. And, and in such a cold way, right? I mean, cause like, like suffocating somebody that takes like time. It's not like a quick, like, it's not like you were to like shoot somebody or even well, like, Stab them or something like and, that, like, and to be able to go through it when they were first, the first child, David, when he she fought back. I mean, how right? How do you not? How does that not like just slap you across the face and be like, "What the hell am I doing?" Yeah, like this is your child fighting you know? against you for life. Wake like, up, call, go. But but no, and then and then the 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 the, the premeditated the. I mean, she knew that Stephen was going to be suffocated. Mm-hmm. She had it all planned out in her yeah. mind. Oh yeah. yeah. And I, I that to me is it's mind boggling. Um, it's so mind boggling because, like I said, I, I've I've had three kids, and sometimes 
you are you you feel like you're at your wit's end. I mean, you're you're mm-hmm. you're sleep deprived. You know, you're yeah. I mean, raising children is not easy by any means. You no, know, no. Sure. Um, but but that love is there. It's and prevents you from murdering your children usually. Um, uh. y- yeah, it's it's. Um, like I said, it's 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 baffling. I I can't I can't understand it. I can't wrap my head around it. Um, at least, I mean, to, be, to kill your own flesh and blood is is so so much. So, uh, Especially, like, so innocent, you know? Yes. It's not like they grew into adults that were, like, horrible and, like, you know, tried to kill her or something. Like, no, these were innocent babies that literally did absolutely nothing except exist. Except exist. Like. <sighs> except exist. And. All right. That's, that is my story tonight, my, my case tonight. And. It is sad, and it's yeah. very depressing. But to anyone who is who's ever out there that is feeling like they can't handle it anymore, um, <laughs> seek help from others. Like reach. whether it's a friend, whether it's a coworker, whether it's uh, you know someone a hotline. Yeah, hotline totally. Uh, anonymous like you don't even have to give your name per se Um, if you are religious like you know going to and either and me and Stacy was 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 school aged so yeah you can even go to one of their teachers to a teacher and say you know I I mean I just can't hack it I mean Mm -hmm. They could get you in touch with a counselor, with someone that could give you some options. Right, yeah. Someone to help you navigate the next, like, what to do. Because there are, there are other options. Like, you, turning to murder is never an option. <laughs> no. Unless, you know, self-defense. But clearly yeah. that was not the situation here. Yeah, and um, reading some other articles on what mothers who kill their own, it's, it's just really, um, oh. It's like, it's like almost like inhuman. It's like, you know, like when you're like your child is born and like you normally like you're just overwhelmed with, you know, like love and adoration. Like that's something that's like actually like physically built in to those of us who are childbearing. Like when we give birth, like afterwards, like you, you get this overwhelming feeling of love and adoration and all that to essentially help you through 
all of the like trauma that you just went through of childbirth and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like it's it's like nature has that ingrained into you so that you do love your child. And like I feel like there are some people who like that just like doesn't that doesn't get into them. Like that somehow well, like they now, just I don't mean, have that. But but now I mean you postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. You know, like like mothers who why can't I why am I not relating to my to my newborn like like I should be and and um the, now there's it's that's so much more aware you know mm-hmm. and and that if you are having these feelings that that it's it doesn't mean be, it doesn't mean that you are uh, are not caring or not you know there's there's other right that's that's not other what i was chemical meaning down. yeah um but that's I, not what i was cuz yeah postpartum depression that's a very real thing and that is absolutely nobody's like fault um i guess what i was getting at was like is is those women uh or that like when their children are like older like past like newborn state like you know they're older children mm-hmm. and like they end up killing them like I I was meaning like those women and how cold they can be like I just don't think that they ever get like that love connection like to their children like it doesn't form ever like it's is it because like I was saying I was I was reading some articles on on why you know when mothers kill and a lot of times a lot of times they kill um because that that the child are standing in the way it's an obstacle of something that they want they want mm-hmm um, you know, I read about uh, uh, a mother who killed her two children because the man that she was seeing didn't want children, mm-hmm. and and the, chi- the the child was standing in the way of what she wanted, and and that that seems to be um, very uh, strong connection in a lot of mothers that kill is that the the, ch- the children were an obstacle. That they needed to get rid of. Yes. Yes. Jesus. And, yeah. Oh, man. That's just, yeah, I can't fathom that thought process. No. No. It's crazy. But that's what I have. Well, thank you for, for enlightening us all. That was kind of a downer. A little bit of a downer. A little bit of a downer. <laughs> you know, ch- child murders are always rough. That's for sure. Um, but nonetheless, thank you for bringing it to the table. Indeed. Um, yeah. Well, that wraps up our episode here. Um, we will see you guys next week. Um, please do go give us a follow on Instagram at booze and bloodshed. Um, we post, you know, relevant photos and information to all the cases that we present here. So if you're ever curious, um, about that sort of thing, go check it out. Um, and also if you have any comments, questions, uh, concerns for any reason, or if you want to give us case suggestions, please email us at 
boozeandbloodshed at gmail.com. All this information will be in the episode description. So if you want to make sure that you spell things correctly, go check that. Um, And yeah, we'll catch you guys next week. All right. All right. Until then. Goodbye. Bye.